is this working? Why does it feel like it's been so long since I've recorded a podcast with just us? It's true, yeah. We've had a lot of guests. I feel yeah. like this is closer to me than you. And I'm more of a... It's, ta- it's turned a really loud. There. I'll put it closer to me. It's always when I yelling. laugh. Yeah, your laugh goes like... I was listening to a podcast the other day with someone and there was one person louder than the other and I was like oh it's Lara and I (laughs) yes it is (laughs) and then I'm always reminded of baby club when the poor babies start crying oh my gosh every time you laugh (laughs) when I'm holding and you try to like cover their ears poor little things (laughs) it's a good laugh it's a good laugh it just doesn't translate well to podcast life yeah it would be very monotone and relaxing (laughs) earbuds in and there's a loud laugh today i wanted to talk about your tongue tie oh all right yeah Yeah. and kind of how that journey's going and then what the people have been waiting for what we've been dangling on the gram (laughs) the free birth chat the free birth chat oh there's just so much to talk about so let's talk about the tongue tie and then we'll get into the juice so my reflections on my tongue tie are that I didn't do the exercises enough, for sure. So I don't, like, I take all the blame as to my maybe dissatisfaction with how it turned out. But, and she told, Dr. Lee told me, mine was so severe that it was probably going to take twice. And it 100% is going to take twice. I have a lot more mobility. I can still do things that I couldn't do before. Like, I can lick all of my teeth. I can lick around all of my lips. I can stick my tongue out way further for me, which is still not very far for a normal person. Um, It's just really posteriorly tied still. Um, So I've been trying since you and I've been talking about it. I've been trying to do the exercises more often when I'm in the car to maybe prep because I think we might be getting benefits. What? So if we're getting benefits, like I'm definitely getting it done again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did she do side profile pictures? Yeah, she's got all the pictures. So it would be interesting to go back after like, because it's been a year. Yeah. To see. And what about neck and shoulder tension? I don't think it's any better. No. It was immediately after. And I'd say that stayed while I was doing the exercises. But like anything, like I tell my massage clients this all the time. Tension is never going to stay away unless you do things all right. the time. Right. So. Because it's a postural kind of yeah. thing. And you're hinging and hanging. Yeah. yeah. My job is terrible for my posture, so. Right. Now I think maybe it's different. It's so hard to know or to remember what it felt like before. What about jaw alignment? Like this, when you stick your jaw forward. Uh, I think same. it's the same. Same, same. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to go and like see Amy again even and look at the answers I gave to like the initial questionnaire before I started physio. Amy's the physio. Physio. She's yeah. like a speech therapist, but also gives you all these wild yeah. fun stuff. She did that with Jacob too. So sh- that would be interesting to compare the things I said there. Also, I do think my snoring is better, but it's still not good. So you said to me the other day that you were drooling. So you thought yeah. That your mouth so was I do open. drool occasionally, but there's a huge connection for me with like, did I eat dairy? after 6 p.m. because then I get really mucousy and that always affects it too. I have very shitty sinuses. If I get sick, it always is a sinus infection. So I think that that is a result of my tongue tie my whole life. In the mouth breathing. But I don't think that I can resolve that now. I think that that's a matter of my sinuses are just inflamed. Have you read the book Breathe? Yeah. 
and you don't think through years of nose breathing and proper jaw alignment that that could get better? I think it could could get better, yes. Now, that being said, have I been sick since I had my tongue tie release? No. Oh. Not once. Wild. Knock on wood. I have not been sick. And literally everybody's been sick multiple times. Huh. Crazy. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. Where's Jacob at? So the other day I was noticing, and it, it so it's, ugh, it's so hard to observe with a child and not have it not be shamey or guilty yeah. or have him be like, oh, you're looking at me while I'm eating. Cause yeah. I, you know how I am. I'm yeah. already a mess with yes. the, the chewing and the swallowing. And so <laughs> like the other night, somehow I'm sitting at the end of the tape or not the end, I'm sitting at the end on the long side and Jacob is like, towards me and Noah is towards me and I just kind of subtly push both their chairs away from me so I'm like <laughs> my insides are like vibrating like I'm getting itchy yeah. because of all the chewing in my ears so confession we eat dinner in front of the tv a lot okay and I think that part of why I'm okay with that is because it's more relaxing oh because Ryan is the same as you oh, and okay. is like constantly on the chewing okay the girls don't chew with their mouth closed all the time, but like 90% of the time, but every once in a while they chew like a cow and I don't care. I just let it go and it infuriates him. Uh, so when we have dinner in front of the TV, nobody knows how anybody's doing. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, we eat a lot of meals together. We eat breakfast together every single day and mm. we eat dinner together every day. And I mean, yesterday was Jacob's birthday, so we stayed home. We all stayed home, so we all had lunch together too. So... Yeah, Everly was pissed that the boys weren't at school. <laughs> <laughs> that was his birthday wish. She's so, so he mad. <laughs> he had the best day. He's like, I want a dirt bike all day. And I got him a barbell and a kettlebell. Oh my and God, so weight. cute. And uh, in the afternoon, I'm like, do you want to do a workout? He's like, no, I'm too tired. Oh. <laughs> He's too tired from all his dirt biking. <laughs> Uh, he's so funny that he gets like interested in things for like four months and yeah. I'm sure the barbell will never get used. Um, but yeah, his tongue tie, um, I just, yeah, what I start to notice is he, it, because it's a lot of work to chew and use your tongue to move the food from side to side, what you end up doing is just chewing until it's like just manageable enough to swallow and then you swallow it. Yep. And so I he, still do that for sure. Yeah. yeah. So he doesn't get the uh, 20 chews in. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that's why he's fartier mm -hmm. than the other two. He's done his taco and then probably onto the second one. So it can lead, you can see how it can lead to a yeah. lifelong, obviously there's no, um, overeating problems now he's a child he's exercising a ton but like I can see how in adulthood you would think you're not full but it's just that you haven't spent enough time with your food yeah. to actually register that you just ate a full meal so there's things like that I, I worry about but yeah he so for a recap he was his his tongue tie was released when he was a baby we didn't do any I didn't do any exercises because they're barbaric and I hated it and it wasn't properly explained to me uh, had it redone at seven and now you're not doing them for him, right? Mm -hmm. So it was really difficult to make him do them. And like you were doing them in the car and, and perspective wise, it hurts. It does. It but it's freaking hurts. We had decided between the two of us, where can you do it? We got on this little mirror and he was going to do it in the car and then, uh, it just wasn't happening. Yeah. Like he felt embarrassed in front of his brothers yeah. and, we would keep going in for appointments. I, and I mean, he made a lot of progress. Um, 
But yeah, the other day he wanted to sleep on the couch for some reason. In the morning I noticed there was two drool spots. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so you're you're sleeping with your mouth semi-open, which yeah. is not ideal. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about free birth. <laughs> That's what we want to talk about anyway. I, I feel like, what's the timestamp right now so people can skip? Uh, 8.16. Yeah. If so... you didn't want to hear about our tongue ties, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for skipping the first eight minutes. We can put it in the show notes. Yes. That skip to 8.15. I'll write it down. I'll write it down. If you don't want to hear anything about tongue ties. Who listens to this podcast that doesn't care about tongue ties? I mean... No People one. care about us. <laughs> so they listen. Okay, so to frame this conversation, I put some of my thoughts on Instagram. And so I'll just read those so that we can kind of start into this conversation. So, is free birth where it's at? What would you choose if you were to get pregnant again? If being a doula is unregulated, then why have doulas been so strongly encouraged to not attend free births? If a free birth... Wow. It's nice to reread your stuff and then try and edit it. What? Yeah, that's great. (laughs) Is attended by someone who has some or any birth knowledge. What's the legalities here? Can the person in the room with the most knowledge be sued if anything goes wrong? Oof. If the system is causing so much trauma, is the only way to step outside of the system and build a new one? Lara and I have had so many thoughts and so many discussions this year. And then after emceeing the Reclaiming Birth Conference, we had even more. What does our future look like? Can we keep supporting this level of trauma? Will it ever change? Has birth always been baby-centered instead of woman-centered? What about a shoulder dystocia? What about a stillborn? What does a fully autonomous and sovereign woman in her power look like? What if birth is no riskier than life? What if we are willing to own all of our decisions and our power? What if birth was attended by wise women, birth attendants, birth keepers, doulas who don't work for the government? How is this very different? Where do you want to start? I liked what you said before we started recording about like, why we wanted to talk about this, that we want to kind of bring everybody along on our journey. There's a lot of doulas who listen to our podcast. Like, how did we get here? How did we get to these thoughts? And we're kind of like in the mediocre right now where we're not sure. Yeah, we're wrestling through it. And, um, you know, we, we have these back and forth conversations. And ultimately, I think what it comes down to is we aren't trained birth keepers. We aren't Mm -hmm. trained birth attendants um, and we're not unregulated midwives. So um, it feels a bit reckless to go in there and personify or act like we are because we're not. Where my argument when you were running through that option for a client is we aren't a birth keeper, but can we still attend a free birth as a doula? As somebody who quote unquote, stays in their lane Mm -hmm. and is just doing emotional and physical support. Why wouldn't you need that for a free birth? You like, I, I believe that every person would benefit from having a doula at their birth, a true doula. Mm -hmm. So it's been this weird, like, what is a traditional birth attendant? What is a doula? And then making sure that these people who are inquiring with us now are also clear on that. I think that's been the thing too. Right. Is when they're like, oh, I'm wrestling between hiring you guys or Billy Harrigan. Not Billy because she's going to births, but just as an example. Well, we're not the, that's not a wrestling because we are two completely different things. Right. Or are we? So (laughs) since the conference, we've had five, six inquiries of people, yeah, saying, I am not feeling drawn to having 
a midwife or OB track my pregnancy, send me for all kinds of testing. There's an interesting point that Billy brings out. Um, I was on a, uh, a Zoom call with her and she said the 20, and it's, it's an inflammatory statement. And when you unpack it, it's true. So the 20 week ultrasound is to decide if you want to abort or not. Oh, that's the only reason for it. Which sounds wild because, you you know, I have an ultrasound tech friend and she'd be like, oh my goodness, no, like we're taking pictures and we're doing measurements and we're doing whatever. But if you take that to the end. Right. What is to the do point of what? that? To right. do what with? Yeah. Right? It's it's what are your options? So there's about, we've had one client who's had intra-abdominal surgery, mm-hmm. um, but you know those are one in a million. Yeah. So that's not the real reason to decide if you want to do intra-abdominal surgery. Is there benefit to knowing those things in your pregnancy? Like I think about that. So what if something came up at your 20-week ultrasound that you can't really do anything about until they're born anyways? Is there benefit to knowing that at 20 weeks? To me, I don't think so. So if the it one was personally see, me, no. Right. So the one we see a lot is stuff with the kidneys. Yes. And that hijacks the home birth yeah. and puts it into the hospital. And then unfortunately what we see is, oh, and then they didn't even check out my baby for 12 hours. Yeah. So you're like, perfect. We could have just uh, went to the hospital after. Or you could have waited and seen if your baby peed. Yeah. And then they'll say like, okay, well, we don't know if the pee was coming through one kidney and not the other and need to ultrasound it. Um, so anyway, we see a lot of things that are just a way it's a hijacking that covers the um liability of the care providers Mm -hmm. the other thing that occurred to me this week which is wild is that the ob's are giving recommendations on what an ultrasound technician did in a dark room yesterday Mm -hmm. that they have no connection with yeah was that guy trained yesterday yeah who knows like i was talking to my ultrasound friend and she was saying like they take an average of these four photos and they get rid of the first photo so it's oh. like an average of three so when you're trying to measure say pocket volume yeah. of like amniotic yes. fluid well so when you have a range like for instance of oh eight to 16 is normal but you get it or, or not normal or eight is not normal yeah uh, 8 to 16 puts you in this mild category. Well, what if you have 8.1? Right. Which is what something we're dealing yes. with right now. Anyway, that's wild. So that's an interesting statement that she makes that we're look we're doing that ultrasound to decide if we're aborting. Another piece of that ultrasound that's ridiculous is if we're looking at placement of the placenta, 90% of placentas that are low-lying yeah. are out of the way by the time they're 36. So and that then, was useless. What is that doing to women's psychology yeah. while they're pregnant? Like, I had somebody once who the ultrasound told them their baby didn't have a leg. What? And they spent weeks worrying that they were giving birth to a baby without a leg. There was a leg. There yeah. was never a problem. If we're missing legs... <laughs> The room for error in this is just outrageous. Too much. So if your intuition is telling you to turn down these tests, you can do that. Yeah. Just do that. Think about what you're going to do with the information from it. And if it's not going to change anything, why are you doing it? There's been such a big disconnect from our intuition. We're handing over our ability to trust to a screen, to another human who is going to ultrasound our womb. To a robot. To say, oh, yes, you are pregnant. Yes, your baby has a heartbeat. Yes, your baby's fine. When all of these things were have not been available for all of time yeah. until this century. Yeah. And what is that doing to our intuition and our knowing if we are constantly saying, oh, well, it makes me feel better. 
to hear my baby's heart rate. It makes me feel better to see those pictures on my fridge. Yeah. It makes me feel better to know. I'm a type A. I'm a planner. I want to know and prepare if my baby has some sort of disorder. We're constantly grasping onto control in every scenario. Yes. Because we think we can have it. But yeah. We never actually have it. No. And in hindsight, my sister-in-law had said, because my, my nephew does have a syndrome, and she said... It ruined my pregnancy. Yeah. Everything. I don't know when I have this baby in my arms yet to look at his face and his eyes and love him. Yeah. All you can do is worry. All you do is worry. Yeah. So it made her, um, you know, not present for her other child and her daily mm. events. He's born and she immediately loves him and is like, yeah. everything's fine. Like I am in this and here with you for everything we will ever face yeah. in this lifetime. But months of her pregnancy was ruined with not knowing because you don't know the extent of what you're dealing with. Yeah. You've got this part of your head that's like, maybe it's not true and this baby's going to come out normal. We're going to be like, oh crap, the measurements were off. Mm -hmm. Or the measurements are right and it's something, but we don't know what it is because it's not definitive. Yeah. This is like really heavy and a trigger warning, but I wonder for the people who maybe didn't find something out, and then had a baby and baby lives one day, two days or something like that. I really don't believe that any of those people would wish they aborted that fetus at that 18, 20 week point. Mm. I don't think they would. I think they'd be grateful for those minutes or hours or days with that baby. Yeah. I mean, if you're that person and you're willing to do a podcast with us, yeah. we'd love to talk to you because that's a level of depth and darkness that I think also gives you so much um, depth. But what's latitude, like yeah. ability to feel and growth and, and but we're imagining because we yeah. haven't lived through that. Yeah, yeah. It would be very interesting to speak to somebody who has lived through that experience. But Okay, so let's back up a bit. In our current system... You've got no B, which is the most technocratic use of the hospital. You're stepping into their vision of birth, which I, you know, I was at a, a birth the other week and um, ultimately they want you to have an epidural because they can Manage shove it. their hands up yeah. as far as possible. Uh, they can go step out for mm -hmm. a cesarean surgery until you stop pushing yeah. multiple times because they're not available for you yet. Right. A physiological birth with a woman in her power who's going to have a baby whenever she wants to and needs to, like, There's throws no them stopping. off. Yeah. No, and that's annoying for their day. Yeah. I really didn't truly grasp that until this birth where an OB did three cesarean surgeries in the time that we were pushing and told to stop pushing. I'm like, wow, this is really convenient. Also, this whole, like, I'm going to move this baby's position mm -hmm. for you. It's aggressive. It's it's a lot of hands in. I saw, but like, I will, I will go to bat here. I saw it work really, really well recently right. too, where baby was in a shit position. They turned the baby and that baby was pushed out so fast. So, so it's so hard to know, like in that situation, what do you do? Because well, we don't so, have a crystal ball. Exactly. But I think the point here is we need to back up. You've already gone, like to me, there's the division in the funnels once you've said yes to an epidural. Yeah. So if that was your own choice and that was always your plan, um, now you're in a funnel of York tied to the bed. Mm -hmm. And while there are different positions you can have and do, you're not leaning on like, 
movement. oh movement yeah. and oh this is feeling like I need to really lean into this hip because the baby is LOT or left mm-hmm. occiput transverse right yeah um so just a different birth birth completely but my my point is OB midwife is kind of has been our conversation for the last 10 years mm-hmm. 12 years right has been so are you going with an OB or midwife and now our conversation has kind of expanded to so you're going with an OB a midwife a traditional birth keeper or free birth yeah and it's like it's expanded and i i guess what i'm wondering right now is wh- when you go into the hospital and i'm going to even say your trauma rate or your 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 rate of it being hijacked mm-hmm. of having multiple hands in you having some bad tearing it's like a 50-50 totally these are not great odds no and when i sit in our birth or sorry our mom and baby group and i'm listening to like a lot of trauma i'm like okay so you can ha- you can go down this path of of like guaranteed trauma mm-hmm. or you can step outside the system and have a free birth and take the risk of life as it comes mm-hmm. so the risk of life is i get in a car every day totally. i walk outside a tree it could fall on me uh you know a chicken could peck my foot and give me an infection <laughs> Um, whatever it is, right? Did that happen? <laughs> they peck my feet all the time. So now I wear boots because I don't want to hoof them because oh then it God. makes me feel like I'm a mean animal person. But I even say that to them. I'm like, peck my foot and I'm going to hoof you. Did you know the pigeon lady from Home Alone too? Yes. That's what you remind me of with your chickens when you let them out in the morning. <laughs> like you're like, have them all over you. Like... Not These are chance. my babies. <laughs> I do not touch them. Okay. I'm not like um, Jess Marucci who oh, okay. holds them and kisses their necks. Okay. No, shout out to Jess. She is the ultimate chicken lover. Yes. And I am not. So he will be foul on my plate one day. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the places where this started was, I don't know why this is tied to COVID, but it was like, as soon as 2020 hit, Many of our clients who had midwives were having difficulties with their midwives. And that wasn't something that we really saw that much. So maybe we changed or maybe care changed. COVID adjusted everybody. Everybody was burnt out, but that's not an excuse for poor care. Some of the crunchier midwives left. Yes. And so I think they brought some balance to the practice. Yeah. Um, with masks, it became more impersonal. Mm-hmm. Appointments went from 45 minutes to 15 minutes. I think that the mask thing psychologically made conversations harder for clients. They couldn't read what their midwives were actually thinking. And as women, we often are people pleasers. We talk about this all the time. So when you're advocating to, no, I don't want to do the gestational diabetes test and you can't see your midwife's bottom of her face or her smile you're going to be judging yourself already just because that's usually what we do. Unless you're like one out of 50 people who's so sovereign that you don't give a shit. But I, yeah, I just think there was a disconnect there and that has not gone away yet. So you know the quote that says that you are the average of the five people you hang mm-hmm. out with. If in your pregnancy you are spending an appointment every four weeks, then every two weeks, and then every one week, and that woman in her beliefs, that midwife or that OB or that man, mm-hmm. is one of those five people. And that's the wisdom and the voice in your ear. Like, I know yeah. how much effect I can have when I'm having a coaching call with someone to open their eyes to just by asking a few questions. 
then I can imagine that starts to sway your belief, your pregnancy, your, your, your perceived risk, your idea of safety to align with what they think. I think the other piece here is that back in the day when you had a small community, your realm of experience would be, let's say you've attended 30 births in your village. And one of those births was a stillborn. Mm -hmm. And one of those births was breach. And one of those births, something else happened. And the rest of them were fully normal. Yeah. You know, one hemorrhage. So then you've got this like more accurate picture of like, these are the risks of birth. I mean, probably you want to level those up to more like a hundred. Yeah. And then you've yeah. got one, one, one. But like, here's the reality. Two in a thousand babies is a level of stillborn that we cannot get below. Mm -hmm. And whether you're in the hospital or whether you're at home, that number doesn't change. No. You can't save that baby. Yeah. Um, and Billy gave this stat that said that babies that are born before 36 weeks, 50 to 60% of them, it's because there's some congenital defect. Mm. So that's why they're being born early. And then the other percentage... Um, like, I don't remember what, what it was, but like, in essence, if we're talking about free birth and you're going into labor before 36 weeks, you're faced with a challenge right then. Okay. The other yeah. one I want to talk about was, um, she, that she answered for me. And this is where I can just acknowledge we don't have enough knowledge to make a decision here, but, and we don't have to, we're, we're growing and mm -hmm. we'll be different people in a year from now. Placenta previa. Let's say you've had no scans. We don't know if you have placenta yeah. previa. At this point, we don't really, no one really knows how to, we don't have the skills to develop, to deliver a placenta and then a baby and right. for everything to be fine. Yeah. But what she said was as the cervix starts to soften a little around 36 weeks, you will start to have some bleeding mm. because the, the placenta is over the opening yeah. and that softening will mean that some bleeding will happen. Yeah. That's another, that's an indication that you're probably not having a free birth at right, home. Right, right, yeah. So it comes back to like... The, there would be signs. There's some signs. Yeah. So in these conversations that we've been having, um, well, I've been having with people doing intakes, kind of rumbling through, and I'm saying to them, like, fully transparent, yes, I've attended a couple... Um, Accidental free births. Uh, accidental free births and a couple TBA births. Mm -hmm. And and I would say there was one that was not accidental. It was like in midwifery care, but we're probably going to call the midwife after the baby's yeah. out. But still not, you know, from conception to mm -hmm. delivery, fully right. unattended with no testing. Yes. Makes me question what am I, what safety levels am I putting on the testing? I mean, personally, I would love to see a first and second trimester blood test, but... A lot of people in midwifery care are not getting a mm -hmm. first trimester blood test because you yeah. don't see your midwife until week 12. Right. So when they do this second trimester blood test and say your hemoglobin's low, compared to what? Yeah. We right. haven't done... Of course it's low. The first trimester one to say, oh, your levels were 125, 135. Mm. Now you've dropped to 95. That's perfect. Yeah. That's what we want. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're, we're seeing um, blood volume expansion. Yeah. Uh, do not put an iron pill on top of that. You will cause a whole host of other problems. Um, but that's like a missing piece of physiology training in midwifery care. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I wondered, um, so a couple of our doulas were chatting on our team chat this week and the company that they get their insurance through is no longer insuring doulas. Okay. And it really made me question, like, 
why do we need insurance? We are not responsible for anything. We really aren't. So but it's that... this grasping onto control thing for people that right. they want to be able to blame somebody when something bad happens. And that's why we need insurance. But there is nothing that we are responsible for. There's nothing that we caused. Right. So I'll give you an example, though, of where I can see someone suing a doula. Um, because it's a scenario we're in all the time. Mm-hmm. So when someone has an OB and they're having a hospital birth, we know that the number one way to keep them out of trauma, out of Pitocin, out of the funnel of intervention is to stay home as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And we teach that at our prenatal class. Mm-hmm. While you are home for as long as possible, you have no monitoring. Let's say there was a scenario where something went off. Let's say baby died in that early time, which, or maybe let's say baby was already dead Mm -hmm. at week 38. You just didn't know because you weren't paying attention to your, your kick counts or whatever. Um, you know, that's a scenario where I think they could say, well, I was at home for hours with my doula and my OB said, come in as soon as you're feeling anything, which is stupid because they should be sending you home if you're not four centimeters dilated anyway, but, um, they probably monitor you for a bit and then send you home. Um, so when you are the most educated person in the room, that has a level of, um, responsibility I'm imagining by the law. And so if your baby dies and you decide court's the way you're going to go and you're going to sue everybody that you can, obviously a doula is going to get thrown in the mix. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it would hold up in court. I mean, unless you chained somebody to their home. I but I think that there's this is where you have people like Gloria LeMay going to jail because right. it's like called impersonating a midwife. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can, that's why birth attendants are I mean, so strict. our contract says we are not. No, it's not, but contracts we know don't hold up very well yeah. in court. Um, when Gloria LeMay went to jail, it was for impersonating a midwife, I believe. Yeah. Um, that That's why birth attendants are very clear on they do not put fingers in vaginas because the government owns the vagina, mm-hmm. and that is a right that only midwives have right. or OBs. Um, but yeah, there's a whole legal aspect that I think we need to interview a traditional birth keeper if we are going to go down that path. I guess for ourselves, like I know for me when I'm at a birth, I always feel like the birth is going amazingly well until the care provider shows up. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, ultimately in my core why I feel like could this birth have just kept going on the trajectory we were going on if the midwife didn't show up or we didn't have to transfer to a hospital. Yeah. And we were just able to make this stay... I mean, I know I love talking about sex in our prenatal class, but like, let's say you're just building up to a nice juicy orgasm and then you're like, hey, hang on, let's yeah. just get in the car real quick. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't and then, work. Like, let's have a couple of people shove their fingers inside you and mm-hmm. then turn all the lights on and then, yeah, okay, carry on, yeah. keep going with your flow. Of course you're or, not. Or like, same at home. Oh, we're just going to have someone pop in, rip open a thousand packages. Yeah. Flick the lights on. Hey, how are you doing? Like, yeah. ask you a million questions and then you wonder why all of a sudden things are. Stalling, yeah. like I've been wrestling with this. I don't have a quote yet, but like I have it in my notes of like, is birth sexual? It's mm-hmm. basically my question. 
Because I think what happens is we try to treat the vagina. I always think about the the, the partner mm-hmm. who's watching mm. their their wife there or their partner, whoever, with an OB elbow deep, the yeah. third OB, the fourth nurse, elbow deep in their wife, and be like, "No, that's fine because it's not a it's not a sexual vagina right now. It's just somehow a, a baby slide, yeah, a baby canal." Yeah. Well, and then it like makes me kind of overthink the whole like. Sometimes I am sad when the husband wants to like stay up at the head, and I'm thinking about it in a way like where they don't want to see their wife's vagina in that gross state of having a baby. But really, that might help the partner avoid some trauma too if they stay up there. Mm. In a hospital birth, I don't know how many of our clients' husbands, partners, remember those moments as trauma. It would be really interesting to ask them. Yeah, that's true, because if they're not watching. Yeah. I think for us, like, I, I, as a young doula, I used to always, like, force myself to watch. Like, it was, like, watching a train wreck, and I felt like I needed to know. And now I look away, I feel, like, out of dignity for my client, but also I don't need more and more and more and more trauma. Mm-mm. But even when I'm looking at her face, and I, even if she has an epidural, even when looking away, it's like, I can see her body being moved up and down the bed. Yeah, I can't imagine what that feels like afterwards. And I, and I just know, I know what that's about because I've seen it before. Mm-hmm. So it's like my brain puts the two things together. And so I try to fully turn away, but then you, you don't want to be like turning away as if it's something disgusting, which it is. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm very caught in that. And I, I mean, I mostly don't attend hospital births right now, but. Yeah, so that's kind of where we're at, is that Sarah and I are trying to move away from supporting hospital births anymore, which is a really hard sell for people wanting to hire us. Well, so it's interesting. Like, I remember, I mean, when when I first brought it up, probably a year and a half ago, I was like, I'm done with hospital births. And I remember you were upset for a bit. Mm -hmm. You were like, well, where does that leave me? Right, because I don't want to take all the hospital births, clearly. And then I remember saying to you, like, it's a choice for you too. Like you can also choose to not take them. And I think you've kind of been moving that way then Mm -hmm. over the last bit. And so for the most part now we're like, well, we have a team of support. We have an agency. And so, you know, there are people who do hospital birth still. Yeah. And we're at a spot in our career where, um, we also get to choose. Mm -hmm. So, um, if someone's not like really committed to having a home birth, then, like you and I are not. Well, are I not mean, because that. honestly, if we were still working the way we were five years ago, we will be quitting soon. That's so right. yeah. it's kind of the difference between us having longevity in our career or us <laughs> not supporting births anymore, which is awful. But it feels like lately our full-time job is emotionally supporting people through having advocacy conversations with their midwives or OBs and having to convince people that they don't all need to be induced because all people don't need to be induced yet it seems like every single single one of our clients has had to turn down induction which feels reckless to them well because individually you are the only person who is pregnant yes in your body yes and so when they tell you you need an induction you feel individually specially wrong mm-hmm. right that you will everything will go wrong if newsflash you not. you're not special well so then but then <laughs> as an average of all of our clients i'm like and this is where i wonder if we were all on bump club which right we got rid of. right like, we could be like really do all 30 of you yes need, need an induction <laughs> because you're 40 weeks in one day yeah 
Like, let's be clear. And then it just sets the cascade of mindset in your head that something is wrong with you. So and once is, you have that pin in you yes, already, right. it's easier to convince yourself again and again about other things that something is wrong with you. So I guess this is what I mean by like, if the person of wisdom in your life is in the medical government system and is feeding you that information, how difficult is it for you? Like the amount of women that we have seen, we, we take them on at week seven mm-hmm. and you know, they're so autonomous and so sovereign and so powerful. Yeah. And like, this is going to rock. And then by week 37, they're, they're acquiescing. Yeah. yeah, they're acquiescing to what their care provider has told them because they've they've successfully scared them. Mm-hmm. And we know again from Billy that your estrogen is higher and so you are more amenable. Mm-hmm. You are in a place where you are more willing to go with the flow. And we see it in birth too, right? I've got literally in front of me. Here's your prenatal visit where it says zero cervical checks. Um, during labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want one, two, three, four, five. And then in labor, they're saying yes to all of them. Mm-hmm. I know after the fact, they're going to be like, oh, I, I, I didn't I want to. Yeah. And I'll remind them, like, remember in your prenatal, this isn't what you wanted. And they're yeah. like, I know. And then I'm stuck in a right, spot where it's we like, can't be the crazy. Yeah. Where I'm, I can't be advocating for what I want. Yeah. And ultimately, I know they're wanting us to advocate because they've said, well, I know when I kind of lose my head, I want you to advocate for me. But what does that actually look like mm-hmm. when you're saying to them, what are you consenting to right now? Do yeah. you choose this? Do you want to know? And they're like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's never what, okay when it's okay. What does it's okay mean? To yeah. me, that sounds like you're just saying yes. Yeah. So then I'm in a spot where I'm like, can we just take a minute? Again, if we go with the building an orgasm yeah. spot um, or analogy, what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, no orgasms are no being orgasms. had. No orgasms. Yeah. No. Okay, so we're just in a full-on pause and stall. Mm-hmm. At which point your care provider takes advantage of, like, well, we need to try the next thing. Mm-hmm. Think, yeah, the next thing should be get in the tub, get in bed, everyone leave, make yes. out, and then, oops, you had a baby. Yeah. Which, oh, this is where it's like, okay, I was listening. So you and I have always listened to the Free Birth Podcast, mm-hmm. but I think we always listened to it before from a standpoint of, like, wow, these are such powerful autonomous women. Yeah. Um, that's wild over there, and mm-hmm. then we keep doing our thing. And I think now I'm listening to it from a more, um, like, okay, this could actually be a thing. Mm -hmm. Like, a a renewed respect for these women who are just fully owning. Like, the reality is you and I own other parts of our life, our health. Totally. um, Our choices. and, And yet, somehow this is an area where we, like, people... Oh, we watch them. It's like saying, well, I was drinking last night and then I didn't sleep well. And then the morning, it's someone else's fault that I don't totally feel good. And yeah. I, I, so, and I hate this because on one side, I don't ever want to blame women for the state we no. are in because it is not women's it's fault. society. That we, and... But the entire birth system is yeah. set up the way it is to drag you along so that you feel like you're wrong if you don't go with it. And it takes a lot of unlearning and unpacking and work. So it's like this both and, you know, where it's like you are responsible for being fully in your own power and intuition and saying no to what doesn't align with you. But it's really hard in a first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really hard. Yeah, really hard. Yeah. I, I was having this conversation with Cheryl while we were hiking last week, telling her that we're moving away from hospital births. And she was like, 
asking why. And I said, honestly, one of the biggest parts of it is I'm tired of seeing people disappointed. Mm. I'm tired of watching their heartbreak. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not strong enough to fight the system by myself, unfortunately. And if you want an unmedicated, hands-off vaginal birth and you have an OB, bless you if you can make that happen because it is near impossible and i hate saying that well it is near impossible unless you're showing up pushing yeah it, it's really difficult to i'm even thinking about someone who's planning to have a hospital birth and you know you want to let's say you 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 want to go in and take advantage of that beautiful big tub in there yeah. with the the door shut and the lights off like that is a pretty great space it gets yeah. kind of steamy yeah in there. with a midwife i can see with a midwife in a hospital it's not impossible not impossible easier but with an ob because how are you going to get away from like, oh, we need to constant monitor. Yeah. Uh, we need to pop in whenever we feel like it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. And then honestly, like maybe this is a whole other topic, but like the last birth I was at, all three OBs were men. Yeah. What What is that feel like when you've got three m- different men towering oh. over you with their old man hands and their authority <laughs> and yeah. their... Their There's a different vibe when it's all women in the room, for sure. Yeah. Most of the time. Although, not not all. Not all female OBs. No, we, like, obviously we generalize all the time on this podcast. Yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah, we generalize. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, in these, like, five intakes or consults that I've had this, this last two weeks, um, it's wild to me how I... And this just shows where we're at. We're, we're rumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, I essentially interview the woman and then I think successfully talk her out of hiring us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which, turns turns I, out. 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 I think has to do with my discomfort with the, the, um, the liability piece, right? Yeah. Like I... What I end up saying is like, I want to be fully transparent with you. I am not a birth keeper. I'm very knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. I've been to a lot of births. Yeah. But have I supported birth from week four to postpartum six weeks all on my own? No. No, I have not. So whatever it is you think you're trying to outsource to me, mm-hmm. that you're still wanting to outsource, um, I don't know that you are hiring what you... like. Yeah, I'm very, a doula is not a cheaper version of a traditional birth keeper. Right, and this is where... You, but, like, can you really say that you and I are doulas right now? I don't know what we are. Exactly. I have no idea. So this is the part where I'm struggling. Yeah. Because when I look at a brand new doula who's on a weekend course, yeah. you and I were actually never that. No. Right? And then I think that's why... So the other day, I was going through an unfollowing... I unfollowed 200 people yes. on her Instagram. <laughs> And honestly, all I did was unfollow people who had not posted since 2020. How did you figure that out? Um, did you go on it, each individual person's profile? Yeah. So I went through <laughs> earliest followed and then I would just oh, click on them. Yeah. And then if the last post said 2022, mm-hmm. unfollow. And yeah. so it was just kind of this pattern of like, yeah. I was just in a, like a meditation trance wow. and I just did it. But the thing that really struck me is like, wow, so many businesses started in COVID. Mm-hmm. And then when it was back to work, um, it fell away. Not mm. not all of these are birth ones. A lot yeah. of these were stores, yes. like um, little baby, baby stores. stores. Yes. Um, but there were a few doulas that I noticed had started and then it's fallen away. And I wondered like, okay, because they 
thought saw this as something that's like oh I can get a, a, a I can get a certification in a weekend mm-hmm. so to start you and I massage therapist kinesiologist yeah. we already have a wealth of anatomy, um, yeah. anatomy physiology biology mm-hmm. then we step into the longest um, perinatal practitioner program we can find at the time yes. um, and then we step into birth work and then we have not stopped learning yeah for 12 years. Yes. The amount of studies yeah. I have consumed, the amount of books we have read, mm-hmm. the amount of conferences, courses, things that we, we Conversations. keep going to, yeah. the amount of birth, the amount of unpacking, the amount of podcasts. Like, this is a constant lifelong learning of like, is birth screwed up? Yeah. Is the system screwed up? Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, we know the system is built mm-hmm. to support itself and is... Uh, terrible traumatic and wild i guess i didn't realize though until this year until we're at that conference that when billy says like she's in this to save more women and babies i'd never seen that pivot Mm -hmm. i almost always thought that free birth was a bit reckless Mm -hmm. and now i'm seeing it like well this language of all we want is a healthy mom and a healthy baby, but then mom suicides a year later yeah. or even a week yeah, later yeah, yeah. because she can't handle the trauma that she's been through. Mm-hmm. Or this narrative that only her baby's important, she's not important. Yeah. The reality is if you look, there's a line from the Free Birth podcast where she says, if birth didn't work, you would see dead animals all over the forest floor. Mm-hmm. So birth works. Yeah. Now, I would say more often than not, like I don't know how many animal births you've been to, but there's the odd dead baby. Totally. And so, will the mother sacrifice a fetus for its own health? Maybe. Mm-hmm. If the baby isn't perfectly healthy, maybe the mother didn't have a great diet, mm-hmm. then that's what's going to happen. But we have gone to such a baby-centric society that we are all willing to sacrifice the mother, yeah. chop open her vagina, chop open her stomach. And then send her off with no support. Send her off with no support. But like the bigger question to me in a fully, because I know that I've had this conversation with husbands before. At the core, I believe a husband will choose his wife over the baby. Yeah. And that's difficult because in a crash scenario where mom goes in one direction and baby goes in another, Mm -hmm. I think we tell the dad to go with the baby. Yeah. You know, mom's safe. She's with her care providers. Go with the baby. Take baby. Take pictures. And I think instinctually. They probably want to be with the wife. Yeah. Like that's the one they have the relationship with. They don't want to lose their wife and. Anyway, I guess I just mean to say it's a really big topic and it's one that I'm still rumbling with, but like, what does it actually look like to be woman-centered and mm-hmm. not baby-centered? Mm-hmm. Because a woman can have more babies. We're, we're happy to abort all the babies. Our right. society is so <laughs> yeah. happy to do that, but it's like at the time of having a baby, then mm-hmm. it's like throw out the mother and say... They need to all be saved. All the babies. It's, yeah. it's really a wild concept. This podcast will have many trigger warnings all over it. Hopefully you didn't make it to this point if this was upsetting for you to listen to, but it's an important topic and I imagine we'll circle back because we have to go to baby club now. Yeah, I feel like we touched on all the topics and really answered none of them, which is fine. It's pretty typical for us. It's where we are. We're in the, <laughs> we're in the messy middle yeah. and um, yeah, if you listen to this and you have lots of thoughts, DM us because... One final thought. I'm curious because we've had conversations with people who mm-hmm. are in this space of learning to be a traditional birth attendant or birth yeah. keeper. And some of the language around it that they're using is like, 
oh, you're having a free birth and I'm just here in the background. Yeah. And that's where I'm curious, like, okay, so you're looking for the same things I'm looking for, right? Like, I'm looking for if a mom is incoherent and passing out. Yeah, you've lost too much blood. Um, I'm looking for if there's blood running down your leg. Great, maybe your placenta's in the wrong spot. I'm looking for a prolapse cord too, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. I, I know enough of these things. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have a vague idea of when it's time to maybe cash in and go to the hospital. Um, and so, yeah, they would have more skills around a breech birth, a hemorrhage. They would have more anti-hemorrhagics and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they'd have a, 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 the training that we don't have. But is their language still... This is a free birth? I don't know. That's another one we don't have an answer to. 